We have uh, Bob doing announcements this morning, so without further ado, I'm going to bring him up, but I will add this. I got a call from Miss Alberta yesterday, and she arrived safely in Colorado with her family, and so she wanted me to tell everybody that she says hello and she misses us. So there we, there we go. So thank you, Bob. Good morning. Everybody must be out Christmas shopping. Either they heard I was giving the announcements. Um, all right. At the top of the list today, we have a, uh, an audible pastor. Um, Ken Baden is going to turn 96 on December 26th. I understand some. he's, he's a, um, known to some of the uh, more... Uh, uh, tenured members of our congregation, but I understand that he was very instrumental in building uh, the sanctuary, this church where we're at today. So uh, I have his, ad his address is on uh, the uh, at uh, at home list. The uh, he's right at the top of the list, I think. Yeah, Ken Baden. He's at uh, in his homebound at uh, sixteen one three one one three two. Jenner Street in Westminster. So, Christmas cards are are going to be appreciated. All right, moving right along. Did I say birthday cards? Christmas card? Well, both. Yeah, he's close enough. You know, double duty. All right, um, missions. This month we're going to give to. Uh, VO to help provide toys for the community through their toy drive giveaway. Um, and as Sit and Be Fit is uh, Tuesday at 10. And Advent Study is at noon on Tuesday, I believe, yeah. And then, um, oh, <laughs> I'm going, I may skip work and come. Bonnie's providing pizza, and everyone is welcome to bring a dozen cookies for a cooking exchange. Uh, Carol is providing us with little boxes to put our cookies to take home. So, there you go. Uh, <clears throat> the men's Bible study, <clears throat> we are at Saturday at 8. I think, um, what, two or three of us here today. Um, Christmas cards, looking, <clears throat> looking for a convenient place to leave Christmas cards for Pastor and Ashley. Well, you'll find the box out back uh, when, you, when you're leaving. Point set is uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the back uh, in the narthex, and as always, uh, worship assistants are welcome uh, for whatever you can help the church with. Um, we know that we're we're pretty well taxed, but anything you can do is well appreciated. And uh, last but not least, our annual congregational meeting will be uh, is set for January the 20th. Uh, lunch will be served at noon, and the meeting will start at 12.45. If you have any questions or would like to see something on the budget, please let us know. All right. With that, thank you.
And if you're able, we come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called an ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. <clears throat> for this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, and verses 8 through 11, found on page 1157 in the Pew Bible. This is a, uh, a list of the promises that God gave to Isaiah for the people of Israel. So it's Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, 8 through 7. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteous and praise spring up before all nations. Righteousness, I'm sorry. We will now read Psalm 126 responsibly and is printed in your bulletin on page 6. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. The next reading is taken from the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 24, 
and this can be found on page 1840 in the Pew Bible. This is where Paul's kind of wrapping things up in his letters to the Thessalonians, in the first letter. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. So rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then on to 19 through 28. And it can be found starting on page 1646 in your pew Bible. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this is John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elisha? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John replied, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, you know, going forward, I'm going to invite you guys to actually pray with me. In, in your bulletin, um, it says, you see on page two there, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you see that part? So let's try it again. I'll say the first part. May the words of my mouth, and then you all in chorus will, will join. Can we try that? Give that a shot? All right, here we go. May the words of my mouth... Amen. And that's a prayer all of us are given saying, Lord, you know, take us through this, do the gospel unto us, help us to have new eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you are going to speak to us this day, okay? All right. Well, if you're looking at the schedule on our lectionary year, we are in year B, and it would seem that the folks who put together the lectionary cycle of the church year have thrown us a, a bit of a curveball. If not that, maybe a change-up. Um, because the last two Sundays have been Mark. And Mark will be the gospel that is in most of the Sunday uh, readings for the next 11 and a half months. But today... Um, we find ourselves looking at a text from the Gospel of St. John. And, you know, not that anybody is, but don't worry, we're going to get plenty more Mark later on. Um, the reason that we are visiting John right now is that um, there are um, certain portions, there's certain events that are more clearly described in John than they are in Mark. And so the reason that we do this is because specific of today's lesson, um, there's more uh, detailed amounts uh, that, we, that we want for, to share with you to, to gain understanding. And when we stand firm uh, on the entirety of God's law and gospel, that's where we are called to do. We don't just pick out some little uh, isolated passages, you know, just nary. So the whole thing together comes together and, and supports itself. And so that's why uh, we're in St. John today. And the reason that I did that is because I want to talk to you about identity. I want to talk to you about identity today. That is, who a person is or who a person is not. And it is an important aspect of um, our lives. It's, it's just how we fit into the scheme of things, isn't it? Our identity um, tells us 
and tells others who we are. It determines in part how we relate to other people and how the world uh, relates to us. Significantly, your identity in relation to God, your creator, determines just how you will live your life. And more importantly, how you will live your death and beyond. And I suggest to you today that knowing our place in God's kingdom gives us two things. It gives us both our identity and it gives us a great deal of comfort knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. Today's gospel lesson is all about identity. And if we're not paying attention, or if we're not informed properly, today's gospel could lead to some mistaken identities. Here's what I mean. Firstly, we have John the Apostle and the Evangelist, who is writing about another John. That John is John the Baptist and John the prophet. We're hearing from the son of Zebedee, who is writing about the son of Zechariah, who was a priest. We're hearing from the brother of James, who is writing about the cousin of Jesus. The author who prophesied in the Revelation, the Revelation of John, about Christ's second coming, tells us about the messenger who prophesied in the desert of Christ's first coming. The crux of today's gospel text is the identity of John the Baptist. We learn something of his identity by what John the Evangelist tells us. And even more from what John the Baptist tells us about himself. And from these, we find out just what this latter John is. John the Baptist, who he is, what he is, and what he is not. We met this prophet last week, you may recall. We heard a little bit about where John the Baptist lived, what he ate, what he wore. And more importantly, we heard about what he did and what he said. These are important components in developing a sense of John's identity. Now John preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins could lead many hopeful believers to conclude that John was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was the anointed one of God. And in some cases, well, it did lead to that or other mistaken conclusions. But despite that conclusion, or possibly because of that conclusion of his identity, John's reputation had spread throughout the region. 
And news of John's ministry had reached Jerusalem, which was the seat of the religious power for Judea. And, and there it generated quite a bit of interest and curiosity. Why? Well, a large number of people came to the far side of the Jordan River to see, to hear, to be baptized by this man. And this, by the way, is just not like a simple walk down the street, say, to 7-Eleven. No, this, this you need to visualize as about 20 miles or more through really rough and hilly terrain. And even with the inconvenience of the journey and all of the hullabaloo that Paul was, was, was creating, it, it made it essential, we read, for the religious authorities to investigate what was going on out there in that dirty old wilderness where we read and where the Levites and the priests and the, the uh, well, all of the religious leaders, this is bad for business. And here's some son of a priest who has gone bad. And he was causing all kinds of commotion and stirring up the people into a buzz about the coming of the Christ, the Messiah. They need to find out about this guy. And so they did. They dispatched a delegation to determine the identity of this apparent lunatic, this guy who is in need of a bath and a comb and a change of clothes. And then they began questioning John about his identity. He tried to downplay his own place. We see that. But rather than identifying who he was, John told them who he was not. His answers become more pointed with each one he is given. He says he was not the Christ, the one whom G who the Jews knew would save his people. He said he was not Elijah, the one who had not died, but had been boldly taken into heaven in a fiery chariot and whom the Jews expected to return at the end of time. He said he was not the prophet who was to usher in the age of the Messiah. And they got tired of hearing who he was not. The priests and the Levites, they pressed him to tell them just who he was in his own words. Give us an answer so that we can take it back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And in response, John does not point to himself. The answer that he gives them to take back to those who sent the delegation comes directly from him who sent him, who sent John. I am but a messenger, a voice. John essentially tells them, I am not the message but I come to simply to prepare you for that message. And you would think, you would think that the, 
learned men who came out there to interrogate him, these men who knew the scriptures so well would have recognized the words John quoted from the prophet Isaiah. And then they would have realized that the Savior's advent was nigh. It was coming. It was imminent. But they were blind then. And many remain blind throughout Jesus' earthly ministry to their eternal damnation. These people, rather than inquiring further about this message, this message of hope and salvation, these legalists among them want to justify, they want John to justify his actions in baptizing. They're very concerned about who has the authority and who gets to exercise it. But John does not try to defend his actions. He doesn't. He freely admits that he baptizes, and only with water. But he also reveals a secret to these religious leaders when he says, among you stands him whose identity you do not know the one whose way I came to prepare, the Lord himself, whose way is to be made straight. It is his identity that is important. John says, not my identity, his that is important. I am not the Christ. I am not Elijah. I am not the prophet. John says, I am not worthy and I am not the light. And even though he downplays his own identity, John the Baptist's identity remains worthy of our attention. If only because it focuses our attention beyond him to Jesus Christ himself. John was the voice, the messenger. He was sent from God. He did come as a witness to testify to the light so that through him and his testimony all men might believe in that light of the world. This is John's identity. So, to use an old phrase, what's in your wallet? What's your identity? What are you and what are you not? Most of us, it seems, to, we tend to identify ourselves vocationally or socially. For example, some might say, I'm an analyst. Some might say, I'm an accountant. I'm a teacher. I'm a student. I'm retired. Some say, I'm just tired. I'm a hunter. I'm a golfer, or a coin collector, a husband, or a wife, a son, or a daughter. Rarely, rarely in our conversation with those we meet in the comings and goings of daily life, do we reveal our true identities, that is, telling others what we are and are not. Let me ask you, have you used any of these lately? When someone has asked you about your identity, 
have you answered with, I'm a sinner. I am miserable and unclean, deserving of eternal punishment. How are you? I am unworthy of the blessings of God and Creator that God and, and the Creator has so bountifully showered upon me. I try to be my own God in answer to this question, the master of my destiny. I try to decide what I should really want to do, but I cannot. How do I, you, what do you do? Have you ever answered, I'm flawed? I am corrupted. I am mortal. I am doomed. I need a new identity, a better identity. And here, here's where we need to read between the lines, quite literally, all the things that we are not. For while today's gospel lesson is excerpted from the beginning of the gospel of John, it's not the whole thing. It's not the continuous text. Remember, I did say earlier that we don't base our faith on snippets of Scripture, but on the entirety and totality of God's Word. You remember that? It was a lot of minutes ago, I know. So in reading the several verses today, which give us a glimpse into the identity of John the Baptist, the messenger of God and the preparer of the way of Jesus, we run the risk of missing part of the picture. And, and, and important as John the Baptist is in God's plan of salvation, we ought not to forget that those precious words that give identity to the one of whom both Johns speak, because it is his identity that is so vitally important. What did he just say? Well, listen to me. Here's what was missing from the text that we, we plucked out because of the lectionary year. From chapter 1 of St. John, these are the verses that we didn't hear in our lesson today. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then we go to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, 
Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, and I have borne witness, that this is the Son of God. That's quite a different identity, isn't it? He identifies Jesus. And Jesus' identity is this. He is the Word, the very mind and will of God, eternal with God in the beginning, the creator of all things, life amidst death, light amidst darkness, his identity not recognized, his advent not received, his glory, his grace, his truth rejected by the world that he made and to which he came in the flesh to dwell among us. Yet, in that flesh, he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. John testified that the Holy Spirit descended to Jesus from heaven itself, and it remained on him. John himself admitted that he would not have recognized the Christ unless he had been revealed to him by the one who had sent him. And John further testifies that the identity of this one who came to us, advented to us, is the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it is that identity above all others, which is important to you and to me. For in that, for in that identity, the Son of God made flesh to become the Lamb of God. He changes your identity. God's plan of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, is the ultimate witness protection program. When we receive that gift of faith through the water and the word, when we are granted immunity from our crimes, when we can point to Christ Jesus who took the rap 
and received the infinite sentence for the punishment we deserved, the eternal judge gives us a new identity. Our record is, is wiped clean. And we are moved from being a citizen of the doomed, citizen of the doomed evil world, to a fresh start in a brand new jurisdiction that is the kingdom of heaven. Formerly we were recognized as evil and treacherous and condemned sinners, strangers to God and totally without righteousness of our own. Our new identity puts us on a path to a new life in Jesus Christ. Once ravenous, wandering, anxious wolves have become satisfied and secured, confident sheep. And we have a shepherd. Enemies of God are made his adopted children. And while our outward appearance may not change much, the inward person is unrecognizable, even to ourselves. And as witnesses to the light, though, we are continually subject to being called to testify through many trials, and we will face much cross-examination. The accuser will point to us. You've heard this. The accuser will say, you've done these evil things. You deserve punishment, pain. You deserve the despair and the death. And he will be easily convicted. We will be easily convicted if we try to defend ourselves. If we try to explain our way out of that accusation. Our testimony about ourselves, our standing on our own identities, can only lead to our condemnation. But we are called to testify not about ourselves. We are called to testify about another. We are called to witness the truth and the grace that he alone provides. And when we are about to hear that cell door of despair clang shut on ourselves and on those around us, we need to identify and to give toast testimony to him who has taken our crimes and heaped them upon himself. And in spite of our guilt and in spite of the injustice and the unfairness of it all, we need to trust on the judge's mercy. The evil one, he accuses you and others around you. The world wants you to perjure yourself with its falsehoods. Your own sinful flesh would make you forget your testimony to abandon your new life and lose that precious new identity which came at so costly a price. But the Spirit helps you remember your identity, that you are beloved children of the Heavenly Father, that you are dear brothers and sisters of Christ, you are forgiven sons and daughters of light. Now, the temptation might be to trumpet 
your new identity, to advertise your immunity from the prosecution and punishment that you so narrowly escaped. And while it does bring great joy and peace to know those things are true, we are to remember that we did nothing ourselves to bring it about. Point instead to him. Point to him who was arrested and tortured. Point to him who was pierced for you. Point to him who was hanging from the tree. The one who was bleeding and dying. Point to him and give your testimony as a witness to the light, saying, he did it. He did it all. He did it for you. He did it for everyone. We proclaim Christ and him crucified. And I'll leave you with this. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you please stand if you're able? Today during Advent season, we recite and confess our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed, which is found on page three of your bulletin. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our, our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in the one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. 
Amen. Please pray with me. Sorry. <laughs> oh Lord, we humbly come before you as your children. Lord, you are the very best gift that we have ever received. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your shed blood on the cross. Thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for not keeping a record of our wrongs. Thank you for bearing all things with us. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Please give us open hearts to receive your love and this truth. Transform us from the inside out so that we will be confident of our true identity, which is in you and you alone. Lord, we need you. Please be with those who are heartbroken and need your comfort and peace. Lord, please provide your healing touch to those who are facing disease and illness. Thank you, Jesus, that it's by your wounds that we are healed and made whole. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we acknowledge that it's you. You are the very best gift that we have ever received. Thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name, the name above all names that we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should in all places, at all times, 
offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our You may be seated. Y'all been given a new identity, and that identity is in Christ Jesus. And in that identity is how God sees you, clothed in righteousness of his Son. To the world, that's just crazy talk. But to the, those who are saved, those who have been given the power to be called the children of the living God, it's everything, comfort, blessing, peace upon peace. And here is receipt that he gave us. This is Jesus, his body, his blood, that was what God used to pay for our sins, the sin of the world, all sin in the world. He wrote a check, and that check cleared. And on that Easter morning, Jesus came from the grave crying out, I have new life from you, which is ironic because he's saying it from a grave, from a tomb. But it's true. And the Holy Spirit that you received in your baptism convinces you, encourages you, and keeps you in the Word, keeps you in that belief. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all. If that's your confession, and I heard you confess it, come. The table is prepared. The usher will bring you forward.
And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.